Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Yet again, we're a little bit later in the week, so we do apologise. Just to give you a bit of an insight, I think me and Jane are going to push it back into the week a little bit, just because we've came to realise and we've taken the lessons that we are too fucking busy at the start of the week to get a <laughs> podcast recorded in. And we were recording it the week before for the week after, but then we had so many trips. I get married, my honeymoon, Jen's delayed honeymoon. We were in Barcelona, back for the Built for Life event. So yeah, it's just taken a bit of a, a hit over the past um, couple of months. And then we came to the realisation that we need to change it. But today we're back with another fantastic topic on approaching your training from an objective standpoint and not an emotional standpoint. Um, Jen, give us a little bit of an insight into how you perceive this topic. I love that you always fucking bully me into the start. start you moment. can do the intro next time and then I'll I'll, I'll do the starting point. I, to be fair, I think it's about time that I, uh, that I took control of the intro. We're needing some fucking, we're needing some equality here. Um, I know, I think just, I know you were speaking to the guys about this on Monday um, and I'm doing a training tonight that's all about mental performance. Um, and I think that this is something that when we think about how people approach I think when you're when you're new to training, I think when you're in the early days of developing a new skill, right? Because this is something that a lot of people miss as well. Like there's so much skill acquisition when it comes to training whatever it is that you are training in, that you have to be willing to be a beginner until you develop the skill in the thing, right? And I think when you're when you first begin like a, a journey of training with something new you are really emotionally invested in it and you do become frustrated and you do become like, you do feel guilty for missing sessions and you do find it harder to, I remember when I used to hear people say things like listen to your body and I'm like, I don't know how to listen to my body because a lot of times she's talking shit. So like it, it, it's really, really difficult to build the skill and understand like training intuitively and understanding like the physical and psychological cues. But if you start, like performing in say fitness events or going for big like physical based goals I think people really really underestimate how much their mental environment will impact their physical environment and I think that I watch people do this all the time where they become so bound by the rules that they set for themselves psychologically they completely discount how much it impacts them physically and I've seen um, Jean actually spoke about this in our stories when she was like um when people say like something is my therapy so when people say like running is my therapy or like gym is the gym is my therapy and it's like no therapy is your therapy <laughs> like <laughs> these things can't be although they are therapeutic yeah. these things can't be like these things can't replace like what like therapy would do for you so I think sometimes people will use they, they will use physical outputs as a distraction yeah. from what they're feeling psychologically. And I think so, I watch so many people struggle to struggle to allow themselves to make a connection between the two yeah. because it, it feeds into a belief system. But I don't think people will, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like, well, I know you'll think the same thing, but like I watch people burn themselves out so much with training physically think that it's going to help them make progress and it's like that's actually leaving you in a worse position 100 percent, 100% i think most people are driven because i've been there and i think you've probably been there as well are driven by the need to want to achieve the goal because they think that the goal will obviously fix so many of their problems but the more they actually try and achieve it for their own reasons and try and treat their training like therapy 
they do just burn themselves out because you need to understand that your body can only handle so much load and volume placed upon it at any given time. It's like in the gym, right? See if you go in and you place a significant amount of volume on the body that it's not used to, it's not adapted to, then your recovery will be piss poor. So let's say, for example, you are lifting 40 kg on the leg press one week, then you go in the following week and you throw it up to fucking 80 kilograms and you've not slowly but surely added stimulus, so like added volume to the stimulus, um, you won't be adapting to it like over time and getting stronger for the relevant volume that you're placing on it. So if you just like double that weight, you're going to probably find if you're then pushing to failure on that weight because you've not pushed to failure before, if you can lift that weight when you were doing the 40 kilograms, that your body is just going to be fried. Central nervous system is going to be fried. Your recovery is going to be massively downregulated. And the psychological factors of how stress is held in the body add to the stress that's on the body from, from training as well. So like if we look at the behavioral standpoint of the way you go about your business, obviously like your diet, your training, because training is a hormetic stress. Like people need to remember that training is a stress. That's why they say you can only train as hard as you can recover because training is a stress alongside smoking, alcohol, um, drugs, that sort of stuff. All of these things are stressors, stressors that essentially we are in control of, stressors that we place upon the body. Whereas then you've got that psychological stress that is kind of triggered from people's belief systems, trauma, environmental issues, like poor relationships at home, all of that sort of stuff. So we're in control of the behavioral stuff. So we need to do our best to make sure that we're on top of it. So like you're training appropriately with the right volume and you're giving yourself the right rest, that your diet is predominantly from whole foods, that you're not drinking frequently. I always say when people drink, it should be who, what, and where. So who you're drinking with, what are you drinking for, and where is it? Like those things should really match up and it's not just another sesh with the troops for no reason. Like don't take fucking hard drugs like frequently don't fucking become addicted to that shit um, don't smoke like you're in control of all this sort of stuff to be able to put yourself in the best position possible when you're not focusing on all of these things the best way you can and you're training too hard and then you're maybe binging off the back of it because like your body is so fried alongside all the psychological factors here so you might have a poor relationship with food because you've got poor self-esteem you might have a binge eating disorder, like that is stress in itself, right? That is massive psychological stress that you're living with day to day. You can't run from it. You're not actually fixing the problem. You're not actually focusing on what the problem, the real problem is. So that stress is always there. It's always present. And then the behaviors that come from the beliefs that have created these issues then feed into your, your physical activity. So it's like, if I just train every single day as hard as I can for hours on end, then I will get the result. Whereas that actually just feeds more into the binge eating and then you're not progressing. So it increases the psychological stress because people then go, this is what I've been told to do to get the result. Why is it not working? And yes, you've been told to train, you've been told to eat well, but you've not been told to restrict yourself and eat a thousand calories per day while training seven days per week intensely every session. You've not been told to be going into the gym and going to failure on everything every single time you're there or running for as long as you can as, as fast as you can that is not what you've been told but that's what people that's what people tend to believe based upon what those beliefs are that they have and how it's communicated to them and they very often struggle then to push and pull instinctively and intuitively because they are just driven by this belief yeah. or the perspective they have or the stress that is fucking perpetuating consistently day to day so I know I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but you need to 
you need to understand yourself more and why you're actually using training um, and it should be for the right outlets. And if you're using it for the right reasons, you should be able to push instinctively and pull instinctively. Because I said to the guys on Monday night, you need to understand that, yes, you've got different heart rate zones. The higher your heart rate zone goes, the harder it is to recover from that. Because the higher your heart rate goes, the less oxygen you have available and the more oxygen that you use to basically complete the, the exercise. That's why, like for example, if you're doing sprints, uses up a lot of oxygen, but you're not taking a lot of oxygen back in. So it's really, really detrimental to the central nervous system. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing, right? If everything else is in place, the environmental factors, if you're in a great place mentally, if your physical standards and behavioral stuff is like all in place, great, really good. You'll get great adaptation from it because you'll be resting appropriately. You'll be eating appropriately. You won't be smoking, drinking, taking drugs, all of that sort of stuff. So if you are constantly stressed out, right? Psychologically fucking stressed to the max. You've got a lot going on in life. So you've got your kids sick or going through periods of sickness. You and your partner aren't on the best terms. So you you always have that in your mind when you're going home from work. Like, what is this fucking cunt going to say to me when I get in? You might have some family issues arising. You might have a very demanding time at work. Those environmental stressors are added onto that like psychological stress that you always have with the belief systems you have in place puts you into like a mental zone of five. So you're basically just trying to survive day to day. You're just trying to get through your days. You're just trying to fucking, you're just trying to not have a mental breathing, basically. But the issue is that people that use it like therapy, like exercise therapy during times like this, go out and try and push in zone five. High heart rate, central nervous system's fucking fried. And then they wonder why they can't deal with everything else because they're now not just physically exhausted. They're now... If, uh, sorry mentally exhausted they're now physically exhausted and completely burnt out as well yeah. so you need to know that if you are struggling with these psychological issues with these environmental issues you need to give yourself the permission to to work at a lower rate of intensity while you're working through the other problems because it doesn't mean that you're not going to progress you need to build the evidence to see that you can progress in these lower heart rate zones until until you start to pull yourself out of the mental zones so like yeah. if you're in mental zone five you should be in probably heart rate zone two what that looks like is maybe running running steadily each week not doing any any intervals just trying to keep your heart rate anywhere between about 140 to 155 maybe beats per minute on everything that you're doing right and again people will say but i'm not then doing my 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 intervals my sprint work my tempo like what the fuck like i'm not going to be able to progress and it's like well no actually see how much you'll progress in other areas by doing this because you'll feel more in control and then it'll put you in a prime position it's like laying the foundations to then go and perform the way you want to and actually because you're not putting as much stress in the body you're going to find that those slower runs you're going to get quicker keeping the same low heart rate you know so it's actually benefiting you because you're improving your aerobic capacity and your threshold in the gym instead of going in and going to failure and everything keep four or five reps in reserve instead of doing three or four sets maybe just do two or three like reduce it by a set overall like reduce the overall volume you're placing in the body because your volume is determined by your sets your weight and your reps so you times them all together and you get the accumulated volume overall and i think a lot of people actually forget that you can retain muscle with 35 percent of the stimulus that it took to create the muscle in the first place so people have this idealized version of training in their mind that if they're not hitting the absolute max they're never going to be able to progress or they're going to lose what they built when it's just completely not the case and i realized i've talked for a very long time now <laughs> no i was i was like not 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 as if i've not heard it all before but like it is it's a good reminder and i think it's one of those things where i think this is why 
it's so important to have an expert who designs your training for you in line with what your goal is at that point in time because I think like I, I think that I, I watch people make emotional decisions in relation to their training all the time and I think you need to have someone who has a neutral view of your training and your goal to so that you have a plan to stick to regardless of how you're feeling because the thing is is I know that feeling of like I'm in pain so I'm going to just go and run for as long and as fast as I possibly can right to try because it is just a form of like don't get me wrong there is a sense of release in it but I do think there is a wee bit of like punishment lies in there for a lot of us as well and don't get me wrong like that. I know this is something that you and I have experienced a lot that's like I'm absolutely fucked so I'm just going to go and fucking fuck myself even more with my training right and it's like fucking toxic behavior but it's something that we all experience and I think this is why it's so important to have someone on your side who has that neutral view because it means that yeah you can still go and do your training but you're not doing it from that place of pain or that place of punishment. You might be there and you might get that same release, but it's still intentional behind what you're doing. It's like the goal is the goal for a reason. Therefore, the plan is the plan for a reason. And you don't know better than the plan. And crucially, you don't feel differently to the plan, right? The plan is not based on emotion. The plan is neutral. The plan is objective. And it's designed in such a way to get you to where you want to go. So you don't know better than the plan and your ego also can't outperform the plan. And right. this is something that we watch happen quite a lot. And it's something that I had to fucking check myself with as well. Like, and I remember when Rudy first like released the like the high rocks training plans, and I was like, "There's no long run," and I was fucking freaking out because I was like, "I need to do a long run. I need to do a long run every week." And it's like nothing's going to happen if you don't do a long run every week, Jen. Like, yeah. you need to trust in your own ability that you've already built, right? As opposed to feeling like I need to hit that marker or or what? Like, or what's going to happen? Like let go of the need to have that as a staple thing and let and focus more on what's important for where it is right now and trust that the plan is designed in such a way to get you to what this goal is mm. instead of thinking about what the next four are. And I think sometimes for people who don't have, when they don't have that expertise and they don't have that guidance, you're kind of left to figure it all out for yourself and you ultimately will be fucking frying yourself because just because you do more doesn't mean that you get more. Yeah. And I think that, for a lot of people, I don't know for myself anyway, like the intention behind why you train changes as you go older. So I think there's a lot of breaking down old beliefs as well. Like I can remember me and my pals doing the three Les Mills classes back to back. Like back in the day, we would do body combat, body pump and body attack back to back, which is fucking ridiculous. There were one hour classes. Yeah. It was three hours of exercise back to back and we thought that was fucking normal. But our only interest was burning as much calories as we possibly could to lose more weight. So like the reality is, is that like I that's going to have a high calorie burn output but it's also going to f fry this so much that it was then really really difficult to sustain um in the long term because it was completely unrealistic and in terms of making any sort of physical progression between and it was never going to happen like yeah. so I think um there's there's a definite balance but there's also something and something that I watch happen to folk all the time is the relationship with enjoyment and training yeah so I think you need to accept that you won't always enjoy the training. Yeah. And I think sometimes when people aren't enjoying their training, they freak out yeah. and go, I'm not enjoying this, so I need to change it. Or I'm not enjoying this and I'm bored, so I need to change. And it's like, no, you have to build a relationship with us that's so neutral. It doesn't matter whether you're enjoying it or not. You don't expect enjoyment and you're happy when it comes. And yeah. I battled with this with running for such a long time. Like I remember when I was training for the first half, and I was so fucking, I mean, it's the autism in me, but I was so meticulous about 
like my structure and routine in relation to running. And if I didn't, if I broke anything in the routine, it was like, oh, well, can't do it. Yeah. Like I had to have a specific meal the night before. I had to be out the door by a specific time. I had to nail everything. Like the playlist had to be so specific and in strategic order. I had to be the right route. Like everything had to be right because I thought that all those things bred the enjoyment. Yeah. And if I don't do any of these, I'm going to have a shite run. And it's like, well, actually you need to learn how to survive the shite runs and you need to learn that you will have probably more shite runs and you will have good runs but you can still survive it and you can still get to the end and that the objective the goal still the goal regardless of whether you're enjoying it or not and I think sometimes when people set the expectation and enjoyment from movement doesn't always mean enjoying it in the moment that you're doing it enjoyment and movement looks like enjoying the life that it helps you to create and build I know for a fact if I'm not training and I'm not moving the first thing that is impacted is my relationship with food mm-hmm. so for me to sustain a good relationship with food for me to not feel like a like 70 year old cripple in a 31 year old body for me to sleep well for me to feel rested like for me to feel mentally good it has multiple different purposes and I think for people who don't people who have it in their life for the wrong purpose it's almost like it's almost like a belief I think again what comes back to expectations that, that happens in so many different areas of people's lives where they create an expectation if I do all this perfectly if I nail every training session if I nail every run if I get my steps if I nail my nutrition then everything will be okay yeah. and they wait for this thing they wait for the pot of gold at the other side of the rainbow for doing everything right and then there's no pot of gold there and they go well, what the fuck am I doing all this for and it's like you have to you have to understand that these things won't always give you like a, a, a shiny like reward. Like there's there's really a lot of the time not a pot of gold. Like it's about the kind of life that it helps you to facilitate. But crucially, if you have a week where you can't do any of those things, then so be it. Like it's it's I don't know, I don't know if I'm getting this across properly, but I think it's a fine line to walk when people don't know how to push and pull intuitively and it's something that I think again it's a skill that takes a long time to learn because Mm. the pull the pull is not an emotional one even when it's even when you are experiencing high psychological stress even when you are experiencing high physical stress and you make the decision to pull the decision to pull should be strategic it shouldn't be you know, a reactive, fuck this, and then I'm really struggling to get back into it. Like, that's a sign that you've not yet developed the skill of intuitively understanding push and pull because you know exactly when the pull is ready to end. Yep. Like I said to the guys last week, I was, like, f- quite ill last week. I don't know what it was, cold or COVID or for the 15th time, who knows. Um, And I, the reason I know my relationship with, like, that intuitive push and pull is getting better is because I still trained. Mm-hmm. Now, previously, what I would have done was, oh, my God, I'm not well can't train can't run something bad will happen but it's like no well I feel well enough to do this and if I do it and I start to feel more ill or I feel shy after then that's my body sending me a sign you're not well enough to train so until I've got that evidence then I'll make the decision right but I trained ran and I felt I didn't feel any worse as a result of it so that's me and my body I know I can still even though I've got a bit of a cold or whatever it was I'm still okay to train and I don't feel negatively for it. Whereas there will be some times that I'm in high psychological stress. And although I've got the physical capability, I know I can't add this thing in because that will probably be the thing that tips me over the edge today. Meaning today I'm not going to do it and that's all right, but I will do it this next day. 
and having the commitment and understanding to yourself that the push and the pull has to happen at the moment that which you know it has to happen. If you ignore that natural that natural cue of I'm well enough to go back to this now. If you ignore that and go off, oh, I'll go in the water, that's when it starts to have an impact because then you can't trust what you're feeling intuitively because you're fucking ignoring it. 100%. I've got a really good example on this, actually. So when I first started competing, what first competition season was 2015, I competed the following year, but I'd already developed my binge eating disorder by that point. So I was really struggling to go through the prep without binging. Um, and I had a couple of times... And I should never have done those shows in the second season. Should never have done them. Never have done them. Because um, it was just actually pushing me further further into my, my own problem and my own fucking hole. But obviously over the last couple of months, was a week getting married. Then we were traveling. Then I was unwell for fucking like eight weeks straight. And then out the hospital. And obviously next month I was supposed to do my Dubai Tabby Dabby run, my ultra marathon. And I made the decision not to do it. Because I was like, I could go out without the relevant training, having missed maybe seven or eight weeks training and being so far behind and just kill myself to get it done. For the, but that would be for the wrong reasons. That would be, would be just to get it done rather than actually going and doing it for me to enjoy it. And that's when I know that, or that's when I, that's when I understood and when I knew that I'm operating very differently now to where I am then because yeah. there's no when to strategically pull um, in situations like that. I'm not saying I'm not going to do it. I'm just saying next month is not the right time right now. And yes, it's a little bit gotten to take and it's hard uh, initially, it's like a hard pill to swallow. But what you were saying before as well, when it comes to having having like a professional in your corner to do these things for you um, so that you can kind of break down your own beliefs too. Like when Rue first sent out the, the High Ropes plan, for example, you used that and you said there wasn't a long run in there. There's so many things that you won't see there that will still improve your ability to run for yeah. longer. So for yeah. example, like over the last few few weeks, trying to get back to my best, I've not ran any any longer than like a 10K, like in probably about two months now. Um, I'd got up to like what, 17 miles, I think it was. And I was well on my way to, to make sure the training was hit and smashed and so on and so forth. And I've pulled back and I've just been kind of sitting around the five to kind of 10K mark just to get me back to my best to kind of open up my eyes to what working to a lower level of intensity well I'm not 100% can do for me because it is more enjoyable. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that actually puts me off more now than training so intensely when I'm already fucked to the point that after it, I'm just like, fuck me. Like how much more of this do I need to go through? You don't know what you don't know. So if you're someone that's in that position and feels like they can't stop pushing themselves to the highest level possible, you need to be able to see a different perspective by doing something different to see how good you feel. Because I've, after every run I've been doing recently, I feel great after it. Like before, even I've been still trying to push through it, I didn't want to come back and do any work. I was like, I am fucked. Like mentally now, I've used all my energy to do that run. To now have to sit and do work and coach people and solve problems I don't, I feel like my brain is not even fucking working. I feel like I have fucking checked out big time. But obviously, breaking down beliefs, for example, when you have a coach is so much easier because what you won't see when you first get that program over is that, for example, like not doing your long runs and focusing on your strength training, your high rock space training and doing your intervals, your running efficiency will improve, like your skill, your technique will improve, 
your economy will improve, so you'll actually be able to use more oxygen running at a faster pace for a longer period of time. That will actually feed into your ability to withstand a higher pace at a longer run as well. Like These are things you're not going to see initially. By doing your strength training, it's going to allow you to carry yourself for further on more tired legs. So if you are hitting like half marathon, marathon pace, and you know five to 10K before the fucking finish line, you get really tired legs and your pace plummets, like it, it, it almost fucking doubles, let's say, just, just as a talking point, you can guarantee probably by that point when the time comes around again, because you're stronger, because you have more efficiency, because you have greater skill, because your economy is better. So like you've got the legs, the heart, the lungs to be able to, to, to withstand that challenge. That you'll actually improve your time, no doubt, anyway. And then all you have to do is start to slowly but surely increase like your volume with one long run a week when you want to start getting back to longer distances and see what that has done for you and let the results of what you've worked on prevail to change your beliefs. Yeah, and I think 100%. Because when you look at something like that in the surface, like a plan that you get sent over, you don't see all of these things that's going to improve in the back end and how actually it's going to improve, like, your yeah. goal. Because yeah. Obviously, when people think about high rocks as well, just talking about not not attaching their beliefs to things that they see in the surface. When people think about high rocks, they think about this big kind of like CrossFit-based competition, I think, when it's a runner's game. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like more than 50% of it is, is running, which means that realistically, you just need to focus on being a really good runner. What does a really good runner need to be more efficient in different energy zones so they can pace themselves at a higher speed for longer periods of time? They need to be able to run on tired legs. They need to strength train to obviously make sure they can improve their efficiency and their skill, but also reduce risk of injury. And then all of these things anyway, because they've got the legs, the hearts, the lungs, by just doing a little bit of training on the other factors, like the other movements, it will actually be easy to do them and come off the back of them and still run at a good pace. You know, this is what people don't, don't see like the yeah. theory behind it when they just look at things on the surface. And that's why people's beliefs are so hard to break down when they just ask for a simple piece of advice and don't work with someone one-on-one because someone can come to me on social media and ask a question like this. And I'm like, how fucking long have you got? Because mm-hmm. I really like to add context to people's uh, personal situations because I know that it can be perceived in their own way as well, based upon their own psychological things that they're, they're battling with currently, they, their own environmental factors, their own behavioural issues. If anything, I'm like, well, to be perfectly honest, I need to be able to look under the hood to know what I'm working with, to be able to give you the advice. And I think it's funny because even when I do that, people think you're just trying to sell them into a programme for no reason. I'm like, I'm not trying to sell you into a programme for no reason. I'm trying to tell you that you actually need this for your own well-being because from what you've told me so far, you're on you're on the road to burnout and you're going to stay there and you're not ever really going to know how to come out of it because you're always going to be emotionally invested instead of objectively um, invested and you're never going to build that instinct and that intuition towards it to be able to push and pull appropriately unless you've got someone telling you and identifying to you this is when this needs to happen. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's why it's so important to trust the professionals that you hire as well because I feel like, like like when I first seen that, and I was like, I've never done high rocks before. So I've never done anything like that before. So actually, I have absolutely no right to question or wonder why the plan is the plan. I just do the yeah. plan. And then see when I come across anything that I'm like, right, I need to check this. I ask the question on the basis of the thing that I've come across, but in no way, shape or form am I questioning the process because I don't know the process yet because I've not done the fucking process yet, right? So actually you don't get to, you have to be humbled by the process before you get to ask questions about it. And I think I can understand, 
I can understand. I think I watch a lot of people do this as well, where they have that psychological availability, but they so they overestimate their physical availability. Mm. And I, the people who do like the yo-yo training, so people who don't like commit to like a consistent approach and will be all in or all out, they're really bad for this. And again, something that I did for quite a long time, um, because I was too emotionally invested in training at the times at which I thought I needed it, as opposed to. I need this all the time, so how do I make this sustainable all the time? And again, we see a lot of ego creep in when people do this, but it's like, I feel so energised, I feel so motivated, like I'm ready to go, and I'm like, I want you, to, I want to nurture that and get you to foster it as much as possible, but that doesn't mean that I'm encouraging you to fucking burn yourself out. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So like, I 100% keep that fired up nature for as long as it stays, but make a plan for when it goes, because it always goes, right? It's never, it doesn't stay and it's not sustainable. And if you're only telling yourself, when this comes, I go fucking all in and I'm fucking balls to the wall and then when it leaves again, I do fuck all. Like, again, you're just responding to the needs and the beliefs of your ego in relation to something where there's no place for ego. And again, we watch people do this with ego lifting, any sort of training, you, you will see this creep in for people. And I think that's why it's so, so important to understand that, like, you don't know better than the plan. And, like, even though I've seen that, and I was like, oh, could I do an extra run? Could I do a longer run? I just asked. Do you know what I mean? I said to Rudy, like, could I do extra on top of this? And he was like, ideally, no. But if you did want to, you could do this. And I'm like, great, that's all I need to know. If the answer is ideally, no, and I'm going to keep it ideal, I'm just going to follow what it is that you've set for me in line with what I've told you I want, because that's why I've hired, that's why I've got a coach. Yeah. So I think sometimes that that's the, that's the difficult part, I suppose, if you don't have somebody's expertise in your corner is you're left to figure that out in your own but I think it's really really important for people to understand that just because you have 100% psychological availability just because you've got a grand in the bank doesn't mean that you go out and spend a grand do you know what I mean go out and spend 750 and keep the other 250 back for when you need it most it's almost like it's like that money in your hand spend it immediately availability in your hand spend it immediately that creates a scarcity mindset that at some point this will leave at some point this will go so I have to use it as much as I possibly can when I'm here and I think that then over time that reinforces a negative relationship with training for people where they create a belief that if I do any less than flat out all out I'm a failure, I'm going to regress, I'm going to move back. And it's actually like you doing that is regressing you more yeah. than going back your intensity 80% would. And yeah. I think that's something that I think that's something that people allow like ego and belief systems to get in the way of the most is because if they miss a training session or they miss a run or they don't get their steps one day it's all this shame and guilt. And it's like, actually, that's probably the best thing that you could have done for your physical and psychological availability. 100%. 100%. Like, one of our clients texted yesterday saying that her husband is cancer-free. And she said, like, emotionally, I actually feel a bit burnt out. Like, it's like you'll find this, like, when you come to the end of something that's been really difficult and mentally, emotionally, very challenging. And she said, I'm going to leave the gym for tonight. I'll be back running tomorrow. And I was like, 100 fucking percent. Go home, rest, be with your family, celebrate. Like, that's what you need. You don't need to be going to the gym and pushing yourself right now, almost like a, a form of punishment to be like, oh my God, I got through that. So I'm just going to kind of punish myself by pushing myself harder now that I can. You know what I mean? Just because you potentially could. And see, just talking on this kind of this kind of pain point of like people doing it to 
punish themselves and like it almost being therapeutic, people putting themselves through that pain. Not too sure if you've watched the Jimmy Savile documentary on Netflix. I've, is it the, the, the new one with Steve Coogan? Or the no. documentary that they did like a while back? It's a two-parter. Aye, I remember I've seen that, where he does Aye. that run. Yes, and the yeah. guy's running beside him, and he, uh, the other reporter's running beside him, and he says something along the lines of, people would maybe say, you're you're punishing yourself doing this run, like it's a form of punishment. And he's like, no, 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 like not at all. Like this is this is just me, it's a beautiful day, it's lovely out here. It's like, no, you were 100% punishing yourself, mate, because Aye. you know you're a... Beast. You're a beast, I, <laughs> just to go off topic. But I think what you're saying is is so spot on when it comes to when it comes to having those expertise in place, just to touch on it again, because the plan is a plan for a reason, right? I have never, ever signed up and worked with someone and disrespected them to believe that I know more than they do. I've always seen it as a relationship. Like if someone sends me something over, I will always have an open mind to try it. If something stands in our way, if an exercise isn't right, if I'm not really feeling great off the back of training, I will then have a conversation so that we can fix it. I think people are experts or they're not experts. They believe that they're experts and they like to think that they're experts. So much so that if I get it wrong, you get it wrong, Rue gets it wrong, any other coach gets it wrong for clients that they're working with and believe that they're experts. It's, I can't believe like you've put this in place for me, that this is not right for me. This isn't working for me. Yeah. Like you, I'm paying you to do a job and it's like, well, no, you're actually, you're actually paying me to figure more out about you. Yeah. And now I've just seen it that you think you're a fucking expert. <laughs> Yeah. See, the thing is, see if that isn't working for you, then do you have the expertise in yourself to tell me what the alternative is? 100%. If you have the expertise, the insight and the self-awareness to tell me what the alternative is on the basis of what you know about yourself, 100%, you're the expert in you. But actually, if you come and tell me you have no foundational knowledge for this, no availability for this, you have no idea why you are this way, you have no idea why you can't change it, and I make a suggestion and you decide, I would like that to be the reason, so I'm going to decide that's not the reason. Yeah. That's really, really different than I can understand why you think it's this or I can understand why you think it's this, but for me, I believe it's actually this instead, so I think this is what I need instead. Great, I can work with that, but if you don't have the foundational knowledge and insight onto yourself to give me the alternative, then that tells me you just don't want to believe like this thing over here. 100%, and it's funny like when people do think they're the experts as well. I remember a guy a long time ago that I worked with um, brought something to me about himself that I didn't know and he said it and he was like I think I should be swapping this for this and I was like absolutely if like this new information you've brought to me and you've told me about um, is in fact true we should be swapping this exercise for this exercise for example and he actually said to me like I don't know why I'm paying you then if like I need to figure this out for myself and I'm like <laughs> well you're paying me to get you the result and to to realistically build a relationship with you so that I know these things, that's the first thing you're bringing it to the table, you know? And I think people get on their high horse and their pedestal quite a lot with this. Like, I remember with my coach, like, for example, I've got a wing scapula on my right side, so I can tell someone an issue I've got with lifting. So I had um, I had uh, supinated pull-ups, for example, like chin-ups, and I don't have the, the ability to externally rotate like that, right? Yeah. And I, I took it to him and I said, and he was like, brilliant, thanks for letting me know. Let's just program neutral now moving forward. Yeah. Neutral works, yeah. right? And I'm like, go, oh. how dare you not read my mind? <laughs> I know, I, how, dare you, how dare you not already program this in for me when you yeah. should have known? And that's what this relationship is all about, like figuring more out about the client so that we can aid the client's results 
The client always has to have a fucking open mind, always has to have an open mind. And you need to, I actually think you need to have respect more for the accountability and the expertise if you're actually going to see this this process through with any coach. Like I think a lot of, I was actually speaking to one of my mates about this the other day, that I think a lot of the things in this generation aren't taken as seriously as they should. So like for some people, marriage isn't that big a deal. It's just a, a marriage, right? Getting a divorce is just getting a divorce. But it's like, well, to me, that's a really kind of sacred thing. Like you should be working at it as hard as possible and not just like, well, if this isn't the one, then I can fucking get married again type of thing. Yeah. Like for some people as well, it's like their kids are the responsibilities, but they'll just throw iPads in front of them mm-hmm. and do anything they can from a selfish perspective to shut their kids up. You know, like you see it in so many different places. Even with um, like authority, like school teachers, coaches, a lot of kind of younger kids, like early adolescents, teenagers, like all of these types of people seem to not quite always have as much respect for like their 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 elders, even if you want to put it that way, or like someone in charge. Whereas for me, if I'm signing up to to something, it's because I find the person that I'm signing up to or the program I'm signing up to is something that I am really wanting to engage in and get my fullest out of. So yeah. anything they tell me to do, if they tell me that I've got an insecurity and I'm like, do you know what? I'm not sure if I do, but okay, I'll test that, right? Because yeah. again, it's like, well, I don't know if I do. So I, I, I might not agree with you, but also I'm not saying that it's not. So yeah. let, let me go test that theory. Have you got something for me to test that theory out? So obviously if you think it's happening in this situation, what would you what would you um, recommend that I do? They might go, yeah. go do this thing and see if you're crippled with fear and doubt on the lead up to doing it. Then yeah. it probably tells me that you are very insecure or you've got this yeah. as an insecurity. How do I work on that? Well, then you have to do this. Not yeah. You're not going to continue to be insecure while you're doing it or doubtful or fearful, but the more that you do it, you're going to become less fearful and doubtful and so on and so forth. And I think that's also where a lot of people throughout a program a performance program also can go wrong is like they don't take into consideration that they're going to be working through these things and they're still going to be present until they they get better at whatever it is that they're, they're having to do to overcome it yeah a hundred percent and i think it's something that i watch people avoid a lot of the time like what you've just described as a behavioral experiment so mm. it's an it's an acceptance that i don't know the answer and you don't know the answer but let's conduct this experiment on my behavior so that we've got evidence that helps us to discover what the answer might be like that that's a partnership agreement between a coach and a client and i think sometimes what happens with people i think i do think this is unique to health and fitness coaching i mean because that's the context that we work in I think the difficulty with health and fitness coaching is there is an element of transaction there is an element of I will give you something so I think sometimes that that can that can set some relationships off on the wrong foot if that perception isn't set really really clear and the expectation of that isn't set really clearly at the beginning because coaching is not a transactional service-based thing but because I think of years of people doing like PT getting meal plans getting diets like that kind of thing that's all very very transactional you give me your money I will give you this thing whereas the way that we coach we use a hybrid model so we do what is trans we do transformational coaching which is we expect this to be transformative of multiple different areas of your life right that's why it's called built for life so sometimes what can happen is people come in with the expectation of this being a transactional relationship but this is actually a transformative relationship and 
the kind of coaching we do is built entirely on the relationship that we have with the person. Whereas I think sometimes people don't expect that and can be a wee bit resistant to it because it's not not a lot of coaching programs do that. But we do it because we know that it works. But I think sometimes that can happen with people where what you need to understand is that when you go on a journey with a coach, a transformative journey, neither of us know the answer. Right. And the acceptance that neither of us know the answer. You don't know the answer. And that's why you're here. And I don't know the answer because I don't know you. So we have to go on this journey of discovery together. And with my expertise and experience, I'll say, here's the things that I think it might be. Which lands most with you? Well, I definitely don't think it's A. B's maybe thinking mm, potentially and C's a definite no-go. Okay, so let's experiment with B. How can we behave exactly as you say to find out whether this is, let's run with this hypothesis and see how it goes. Let's try this thing and then see if that helps that thing. That's essentially what coaching is. You're driving. The client is always driving. I'm in the passenger seat. I've got Google Maps open. I can tell you the fastest route and I can make suggestions of where I think we should go. But ultimately, the final decision always lies with you. The difficulty, I think, is that a lot of people are not willing to accept responsibility for the decisions that they make, but they still want the result that they think that we promised them. And that's just not the case because... You can't get the same. You can't get to the same place on the same route and the same destination if you choose to take the turns different to the ones that I suggested, and that's fine. If you want to take different turns, but you then have to accept responsibility for the journey that we go on. If you take different turns than what we recommend, so it, it's one of those things where nobody's ever right or wrong in a coaching client relationship because it all comes down to our own internal bias it all comes down to our own view of the world and the way that we approach things but I think there has to be an acceptance from both parties that we don't know the answer and we're going to go and find out but I think when it comes to the more transactional factual based stuff this is the stuff that people struggle with because so much of their difficulty to do the transactional stuff is rooted in their belief system so because there is there are emotional attachments and it's rooted in their belief system they don't believe that it is a scientific factual process they don't believe that it is stick to this plan and go and do this thing like even if i don't want to believe even if i want to believe that doing a 15, 20k run every week is going to benefit my high rocks training. That doesn't make it true just because I want to believe it. So I have to let go of the thing that I believe in order to prioritize what is currently the goal, whether I feel a certain way about it or not. I need to work on why do I feel that way and why do I feel that I need to be doing a long run every week, right? That's just my ego talking. So I need to put that to one side and stick to the plan. So even with the transactional fact-based stuff, even if you think we're wrong, even if you don't want to listen, this is your own emotional attachment to what this represents for you and how this has meaning for you that's stopping you from getting to the goal in the first place. Yeah, and the thing is, beliefs can can be or can feel very scientifically true at times, almost mm-hmm. like they've been proven that they are 100% true. And that's, yeah. that's why the emotional approach is quite a difficult one sometimes to break down depending on the severity oh, for each person. Because, especially if it is lifelong, like there's beliefs that you can pick up just through myths and what you've seen. Like there's beliefs that you can pick up where you walk into the gym and you see someone deadlifting and they're massive and they're on steroids, but you you choose to believe they're not on steroids. And you're like, I want to be able to deadlift this amount of weight. Or, so I need to be that big. Or to get that big, I need to deadlift this amount of weight. So that can just be an easy belief. 
But then you start deadlifting and deadlifting and deadlifting and you're like, right, you know what? I'm not actually getting any bigger from deadlifting. So you can kind of break down that belief quite easily because you're like, right, you know what? You're not that emotionally attached to it. But when you're emotionally attached to to issues surrounding food, your self-image, like your self-esteem, things that have kind of grown and continued to cultivate from your early years like that's when it becomes very very difficult to break down like if you see your mum acting a certain way her mum acting a certain way like we see this a lot with women sometimes like I know you 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 were kind of the same with like your mum and your your grandmother and all that sort of stuff being like fucking fad dieters and like yo-yo dieters and then it's just consistently passed down such a strong like generational belief that's passed over time but you can break it down like it's a hard journey like I think a lot of coaches go wrong to some degree because, and you'll see this all the time, and it actually really annoys me, and I've never used this word when it comes to getting our clients' results, guaranteed results in 90 mm. days. Like, guaranteed results in 90 days. Like, don't get me wrong, like, any coach should be able to get a physical transformation result in 90 days because scientifically, on paper, it's doable with the execution of what needs to be done to get that result. But... It doesn't take into account the client, their beliefs, like their emotional responses to environmental stressors, behavioral stressors, um, their training, their relationship with discomfort. It takes fucking nothing into account. So then a lot of coaches can then be in a lot of conflict with clients that are like, well, you promised and guaranteed this result and I've not got it. And then that's when the coaches start to say, I well, you're just a you're just a victim. You you, you're just a headache. You, you don't want that enough, like, situations you've been in, you know what I mean? Um, so we always talk about what we can help our clients achieve. We never yeah. say we guarantee it, and we always, always say that you are the one in control of it. Like, yeah. we're just here to guide you, and we just guide you in a far deeper way. Like, we've spoke previously about the fact that we don't approach coaching contextually. It's just whatever you have bring it to the table so yes we might be here to improve your performance but to improve your performance we also need to understand that you're in a great headspace with your work within your relationships you're not suffering at home feeling as if you're just you're just building the role of the identity of being the mum or the dad and you can't take time back for yourself all of these things are what people don't consider and it's what we look at so when people are like why are you guys different it's like because we want you to mentally and physically perform at your very best, which means yeah. that we need to take everything into account that's stopping you from performing mentally and physically at your best. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I can guarantee a result. I say this to like private clients that I work with, we can guarantee a result, yeah. right? If the process is applied in its entirety, right? Yeah. However, our job is helping you to apply the process to yourself. That's where yeah. the coaching element comes in. Like, our, our job is to help you understand more about yourself and how how that then impacts how the plan and the process is applied to you because it's not going to be the same for everybody like and I think when you when you work with coaches who don't have a well-developed coaching skill this is the part that they'll miss because they're only going off past evidence of how they've done this for other people mm-hmm. so unless you fit into the category of someone that they like working with and someone they know they can get a result for in the past yeah. they will box you off as the nightmare client i did a post on this yesterday and i actually spoke about this at an event at the high oh, performance coach event i missed it i usually see all your all your posts as well your one post a fucking a quarter i fucking get the likes dashed out arsehole <laughs> 
so I, I spoke about this at the at the uh, HPC event at Murrayfield. I did a session on the Nightmare Client, and I, I based uh, five different client profiles um, on the basis of the SCARF model. So the SCARF model is like the brain-based model of social experience, and every single one of us will have a strong preference for one of the drivers. So I based it on that and just kind of other different psychological theories that just make up different people. And the reality is, is that different people will have a different version of a nightmare client. My yeah. version of a nightmare, your version of a nightmare are going to be two different people. But crucially, if you find that a nightmare, so does the client, <laughs> right? So it's actually not a nightmare client, it's a nightmare relationship. Yeah. And it's about understanding actually what do they need to let go of, but what do I need to let go of for us to find something that fuses in the middle. And that that's really where the coaching element comes in that I think gets missed for quite a lot of people because it's not it's it's a the job of the coach is to help you apply the nuance of the process to you and that's why this is so unique because if you do have fucking wanes and an arsehole man and a mental job and you know 12 hours a day worth of responsibility of working cooking cleaning packing the school bags washing the clays ironing their uniforms I'm not going to tell you if I can you better get your ass out to the gym you better yeah. get out training you better go and fucking you better hit all these metrics 100% all I'm doing is adding, adding more pressure to you if you told me when I was stressed out my box up to my eyeballs and antipsychotics and antidepressants riddled with PTSD can you imagine you said to me you need to get out and train fucking four days a week you need to run twice a week you need to get 12,000 steps and I, I, you need to better eat all these cattle better eat within your calories or fucking get out you're like you're no good enough you're not working hard enough like I would have just went oh brilliant he's like the rest of them I'm off so it's like it's about yes this is the process that gets the result but you have to help the client understand what stopped them from applying that to themselves in the past what's stopping them now and actually how do we create new evidence for new beliefs because when people have core belief systems the belief is the belief because they've received enough evidence over time that the belief is true yeah. So actually, we can't change the evidence and you telling them something different isn't going to change that. Your belief system versus their belief system is not going to change their belief, right? Because they're going to think it doesn't apply to them. You have the evidence that reinforces the belief already as a coach that this thing works because you've watched it work time and time again, but they don't know that. Yeah. They don't have that evidence. The only evidence they have is that every time I've tried it, this, I've failed. So your job is to help them build new evidence that reinforces a new belief by facilitating behavioural experiments. Your job is not to come in and go, I believe in you. They don't give a fuck whether you believe in them or not, right? You believing in me doesn't get me out of my bed in the morning, doesn't take the fucking custard creams out my mouth, right? Yep. It's me, it's my belief system, and it's me creating new evidence. That's where the support comes in. And crucially, this doesn't look like, did you go to the gym today, oh, right? Yeah have you been at the gym you better make sure you send me evidence that's not what it looks like for some folk it does when you're in a hole and you need to get out sometimes you do need that increased level but that's a short burst short period of time creating new evidence for new beliefs isn't me breathing down your neck and like I say pulling the biscuits out your mouth it's us understanding why you're going to the biscuits in the first place and I think that's the bit that a lot of folk miss when it comes to their performance is that your current beliefs are what is driving the behavior mm -hmm. and if you want to behave in a new way you want to believe in a new way you have to actually try the new way yeah. Yeah. you kind of just think your way into the result yeah and i think that actually um is a good talking point when it comes to clients who or anyone in general who maybe has it about a success started building new beliefs then falling back into like bad habits and yeah. they start to feel like they spiral they're doubting themselves these old beliefs are creeping in but just because 
just because circumstances are maybe happening around them that happened before when they were at like a really dark point in their life, they weren't performing well, they were maybe out of shape. So things have like arisen again and it's been like a bit of a trigger and they've responded to it in a particular way behaviorally that they wouldn't usually do when they've been winning. But it's like, right, okay, well, good. We've got more evidence now on what you need to continue to work on. So let's look at how far you've come and the beliefs that you've built thus far. And then now you start to build new beliefs of how you can tackle this in the future. So when it happens again, you feel more confident and competent to yeah. not to not revert back to what you feel like is old habits or old belief systems. And um, yeah. because that's where people then start to doubt whether or not they can do it forever and they can yeah. like really build a life for themselves. So I think because that's something we hear so often. Oh, big time. And that's some that's what happened to me. Like and I think I, I, a big part of this is a big part of this is letting go of the ability to change it and accept and just accepting it for what it is. Definitely. Like, cause I can remember that fear of, I can remember that fear of he's going to see me soon because obviously uh-huh. you lived in Dubai, gave me a bit of a fucking cushion. And I was like, fuck, he's going to see me soon. And he's going to see that I've put on weight. And to be fair to you, obviously you had eyes and you could see that I put on weight, but you never dug me up about it. You didn't mention it until I brought it up, which yeah. I think at that point you knew if you had brought it up un- unsolicited, I would have fucking had a breakdown. Um, but like, I was already aware of it. Like you need to remember that as a coach, your, your client's probably already aware inside out of the thing that they're struggling with that you can see is happening as well. But at that point, I didn't want to accept it. I was still trying to undo it. So because I was still in the place of trying to undo it, I was trying to not accept it as the present reality. And actually, I had to let go of the need to change what had happened, accept where I was now and set an intention that I'm giving myself an entire year yeah. to break the back of this and work on it and change it. And I did, but I had to accept that. And I, I still am. Like, it's, it's still taking time. Like, I've still got time left in this year, but... This isn't something that will stop. It's just that next year I'll get better and I'll make more progress. But I had to accept at the start of this year that what has happened has happened and I, I can't actually change that now because it's not about changing that, but it's about creating a new way and accepting that the things that I didn't want to believe it was or the things that I believed were healed weren't. Mm. And I have no choice now but to just go on the journey for where I am. Like stop focusing on where it should be and just accept where it is. And that's that's just like ego has to just leave the building completely at that point and you have to accept the vulnerability and work with it but it's freeing like yeah. it's freeing allowing yourself the freedom to start again yeah and listen I think that's that's such an important point like you know when we talk in depth like this and, and we talk about like mental models we talk about like the knowledge the education I feel as though being Scottish and other Scottish people will understand this right we've got like one liners for everything they can just yeah. snap you out it's for you won't go by you like, what's for you won't go by you, or you can only work with what you've got. Or, you can only pass you know, the debt you've got. I, I, <laughs> or just like when your mum, someone close to you, they know they know that you're not fucking doing what you should be doing. They just say, get a grip. Just Aye. get your life. Like, get honestly, with. get on with it and get a grip. And it's like, okay. And you just snap, right? So I've always, I've, always, I've always been someone that's kind of took to things quite simply. I've never needed like, the intense level of like proof. I'm more of an explorative type of guy. So it's like, well, if you're telling me to get a grip, I probably do need to get a grip. So I'm going to go and get a grip in whatever way I can. And if I don't have the knowledge of how to do that, then I'm going to find it. And I think people need to lead with that a little bit more instead of just like feeling as if they need all the information to just have and then do fuck all with it as well. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Because as we spoke about before, like you can only hold yourself 
accountable to the level that you're willing to hold yourself accountable to. So if you're not willing to hold yourself accountable now when we're giving you the knowledge, then you might be willing when you work with us one-to-one, right? Yeah. But you also might not. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's nothing to say. But if you are ready to change, then you're probably best doing that alongside a professional that can take you on that journey. Yeah, big time, big time. And that's where Built built for Life comes in. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Motherfuckers! (laughs) Join now. Join Um, now. I think you're right. And I think there's it's hard when you've been in the journey for a long time for a lot of people because I think there's a belief of I shouldn't need this anymore so I'm going to try and not need it or I'm going to try and operate without it and then you go fucking even further back and it's like I had to accept that I had to go back to like checking in with you mm-hmm. saying like sending like my stats and my weight and proof of all my stuff like I don't need that now I can do it sufficiently on my own but I had to go back to start and learn that skill again yeah. like I had to refresh that skill and I had to get back into that rhythm and routine before I could now get to the point where I don't need that I will come in every now and again and say I'm fucking about like Aye. like give some fucking straight give some Scottish straight talk and you're like pull your socks up and get fucking on mate right but once I've there's got one, that there's another one there's another one right? there's another one Lena <laughs> pull your fucking socks up right but once I've got that I'm fine and I can go on mate but actually that wouldn't have been enough that wouldn't have worked when I'd gone back to that difficult place so you like you need to accept that what you thought you would never need again you might actually need again and that's all right like stop thinking that this is an an end point journey like you this doesn't end like this is an infinite game so you need to understand how you get better at the game and how you play the game forever like there isn't an end point there isn't an end date it doesn't all stop at a certain point and I think once you accept that and you stop putting fucking time stamps on it and where you should be and what you should have done like focus only on what is and like you say like go on that explorative journey of the information i need will present itself to me when i'm ready to listen to it yeah yeah and that's why most of our clients have done best when they've been here for longer periods of time because they give it the time it's not like this is going to be sorted in six months it's not going to be sorted in 12 months they take as long as they need to and even people who did feel ready who maybe have taken a step back and tried on their own and feel miserably <laughs> yeah. back with with proof of like this is what I still need to work on so it's what I want to continue to work on will I have you um so I think that's probably a good place to round off that was a uh, nice and nice and juicy unless you're getting it we could definitely keep going part yeah. two next week <laughs> part two part two there's, there's always there's always an option for part two um well guys hopefully you found this valuable we will probably be launching like Wednesday Thursday moving forward now we'll decide a definite date so you're just going to have to wait until the week goes on a little bit to hear our beautiful voices. Um, Worth the wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the second half of my Jimmy Savile documentary, clearly. <laughs> I brought it up. Um, and Jane's birthday was on Monday. So if you're listening to this, send her a belated happy birthday message. Please don't listen. Please, please, please don't. But thank you. Do you know what? In your mind right now as you hear this, Wish me happy birthday and, and I'll, I can feel it all coming back to me. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, over and out. We'll see you again soon. Have a good weekend when it comes. Bye.